0: It's like, what? I mean, I don't know if y'all, do y'all know this film?
1: We've heard of it as well, and it is impossible to get. I've been trying. I mean, wow. it, how delightful does that movie sound? And if you watch the trailer, wow. it, it really looks like it a hoot.
2: <laughs> I know, it's got Chainsaw in the title, Gunner Hansen's in it, but no.
1: <laughs> also, who buys their friend a monkey? That's a That's a <laughs> commitment for a
0: gift. It's so weird.
2: It's so bizarre. All right, kids. It is back to school time. I hope you've got your trapper keepers and all your Sharpies and your school supplies because it's time. We've got a return guest. We thought this would be the perfect time, back to school time, to uh, invite her back. So uh, we're excited. Got a great topic. We'll get to that in a minute. Welcome to the Fright Club podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com. And before we get to this week... How about last week? We were at Gateway Film Center, where we love to be, in front of that great crowd. And we talked about angels in horror. We played a great movie that most of the crowd had not seen, which we love. And most of the crowd, I think all the crowd loved, called A Dark Song. And we got some we got some feedback. Yes, Seth, who always
1: does such a great job of coming up with something that we might maybe could have considered. And this one, uh, he thought of The Devil's Advocate, which I think is because, of course, uh, Pacino plays Lucifer, who counts. And, and- it's a
2: real dialed down performer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding, of course. <laughs>
1: And then Brandon was just happy to be reminded about the Henry Rollins He Never Died film because he'd kind of forgotten about it and he was happy to revisit it. And that is such a fun movie.
2: Do not forget Henry Rollins. He'll come to your house. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. And it was great to uh, see the reaction of the movie, uh, A Dark Song, because it's another one I know you love it, especially when people have not only not seen it, but not really heard of it. This one really slipped through the cracks.
1: Yeah, it did. And we had some great response from the audience. We had some people come down who kind of explained to us the the ritual that they undertake and the details that they got right and got wrong. It was just fascinating to hear people tell us about the movie.
2: Yeah, they knew a lot about that ritual. They scared me. <laughs> 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 no that was awesome so uh thank you as always we'll be back uh at gateway in september yeah i, was, I had to stop and think what month this was but <laughs> um, uh, in september and then we know we're back in october we're going to show us uh, halloween three season of the witch we talked about that for a special halloween bonus so all that's fun but we're getting ahead of ourselves as i said it is back to school time and we welcome back a guest we had oh it's been a few weeks now um, so we're, uh, when we talked about our favorite library moments in horror, so let, we promised we'd have her back because she's a great guest and she's back now. Welcome Jennifer Snook-Brown from real-librarians.com. Hi,
0: everybody. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, it's been a few months, I think maybe February, early March. Well, it's so to hard back.
1: to keep track of time anymore.
2: <laughs> time is a construct. <laughs> know, that's true. <laughs>
0: That is true. But yeah, we've been um, we talked about it at the at the first screening because it's such a rich topic. It's surprisingly deep. The amount of library scenes and awesome and awesomely bad librarian characters and horror films.
2: Yeah. And just a reminder that I stumbled across your site from doing research on one of our podcasts months ago. And it's it's a great site. and It's so thorough. You have so much knowledge in there. And it's clear you put a lot of work into it, a lot of passion as well. Again, I highly recommend you checking it out. It's real-librarians.com.
1: R-E-E-L.
2: Right, right. And what's the uh, the slogan? It's it's movies plus librarians is real love. Is that what it is?
0: Yeah, librarians plus movies equals real love, R-E-E-L. Yes. Yeah, it's only a pun that makes sense in print. Um, but <laughs> I chuckle every time.
2: Well, it's it's great. It's great. And we're glad to have you back. And uh, like I said, last time we talked about library moments, but this time... We're getting personal with this. It's our favorite, your favorite, and Jennifer's favorite, librarians.
1: Yeah, and you know, one of the reasons that it's fun to do this is because Jennifer knows so much more about this than we do, which is really super exciting for us to, like, dig in with somebody who knows vastly more about a horror movie topic than we do. And another reason that we like to do this is because two of our favorite people and uh, podcast listeners are librarians, Brandon and Katie, and librarians are superheroes, so we're always excited to get a chance to talk to and salute them.
2: Yeah, and I'm sure you you saw as a lot of people did the uh, the tweet shout out from AOC a few weeks ago about love for the librarians well deserved indeed oh yes we love our librarians so um, we're going to get into this we have we each have a top five list and there's some there's some crossover which is great. So we'll go back and forth, just uh, just five to five, all the way up to number one. These are great librarians and horror. So who is starting?
1: Well, actually, just for one second before we start yeah. for real. So there are a couple of movies on this list, one in particular we'd never seen, and we saw because Jennifer recommended it. And she saw a movie after our last one because we recommended it, right. which is... Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. And she just told us a tidbit about that movie that blew our minds. Would you share it?
0: Definitely. I really, really enjoyed the movie. Great recommendation. My husband and I watched it together, and we were just twirling like all the way through and like recognizing all the little tropes, you know, of horror films. So y'all were right on the money about that one. And during the the library scene, which is short but very memorable. And I I revisited my notes about it. And when we were watching the film, I recognized the carpet in the library scene. I went, wait a minute. Isn't that the Portland main central branch or the Multnomah County library main branch? And I looked it up afterwards. And yes, indeed, that scene was filmed in the Portland.
2: That's that's so awesome. You're watching a movie and you pick out the carpet. We knew that you were good people. We knew it.
0: And, and to be fair, I know that library because I used to live and work in Portland. So that's why why I remember that. But, you know, Portland is known for its quirky, quirky carpet.
2: <laughs> More information we didn't These have. These are the facts that librarians know. This is yes. awesome. This is awesome. Well, glad you liked that movie. I, we really would have been surprised if you didn't because that one is a lot of fun. Do we have any under the radar that didn't make the list you want to give honorable mention to
1: actually, I think Jennifer has mainly the under the radar films.
0: Yeah. Cause it took me a long time. Y'all gave me plenty of notice, which I appreciate it. It took me a long time to think about it. Um, and some readers emailed me with some thoughts too, but there's some classics in here that I didn't choose for the final list. Um, but like the 1973 classic, the wicker man, Oh yeah. Um, yeah, Ingrid Pitt plays uh, – she's only seen in the, the film as in the registrar's office, um, but she plays both the registrar and the and the librarian in that really creepy town. Um, so that's one I want to mention. There's so many. I mean, we're, we're doing ten with some overlap, but there's so many more. And like the 1944 kind of minor classic weird woman, Evelyn Anchors plays a very revengeful librarian. Um, Evelyn Anchors also starred in The Wolfman horror classic, mm-hmm. uh, monster classic, horror of Dracula, the character, the Hammer classic. Yeah. Oh, God, it's such a good movie. Um, and Jonathan Harker, they changed the character of Jonathan Harker to where he pretends to be a librarian. who's right. there to catalog Dracula's books. That was was on my short list. And I haven't seen this film, but I want to see because I couldn't find um, – a copy of it, but I'm intrigued by the 2010. I think it's an indie horror film called All About Evil. And Natasha Leone stars as a librarian who inherits a movie house. And she then, from what I've read about the description, because I haven't been able to track it down, she then starts making snuff films. So it's like, what? I mean, I don't know if y'all, do y'all know this film?
1: So uh, we, we've heard of it as well, and it is impossible to get. I've been trying. I mean, yeah. it, how delightful does that movie sound? And if you watch the trailer, it, it really looks like it, a hoot. It looks like so much fun. And yeah, I've I've been trying for years to track down. So if anybody wow. listening has a copy of yeah. All About Evil, please let us know, because know. we're dying to watch it.
0: Yeah, A librarian who makes snuff films, I mean... That's all you need to
2: know. It's ripped from your own life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, <laughs> my, I think my 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 colleagues are going to be <laughs> listening to this. So no. Okay,
2: no, no, no. That's writer's embellishment. That's what that is. Okay, so we've got the honorable mentions. We've got the list. We've got librarians in horror. So now for real. Yes. Who's starting?
0: I think Jennifer Okay,
2: the guest gets to go first. What do you got for number five?
0: Okay, number five. This one's kind of an odd one, but just stay with me. We're going to go on a little adventure. So Louise, Louise the Librarian, it's two films, but it's the same character, which is, I haven't come across this really before. And the same uh, screenwriters wrote both films, but it's the 1973 film The Killing Kind. You didn't do it, did you? I didn't do what? You know what I'm talking about. And the 1980 film The Attic. He disappeared the
1: day we were to be married. He left you on your wedding day?
0: I didn't say that. And Luana Anders plays Louise in The Killing Kind. And the screenwriters who wrote both, I'm not great with pronunciation, but Tony Krachalis and George Edwards. So it's my theory that they wrote the killing kind and the librarian is a supporting character she's nasty Ooh. <laughs> just a peeping, like a literal peeping tom and she talks about these fantasies of which she is gonna kill her father poison her father and then burning all the books and she has other fantasies but she only talks about the fantasy so she's like she's like a wannabe killer a librarian and then it's almost like the screenwriter's Oh, and she has a father who's in a wheelchair because she's yeah she's gonna she fantasize about killing him, and then it's almost like the screenwriters wanted to go more into depth in the librarian character, and that's the star that's the main role of the Attic and Carrie Snodgrass plays Louise in that film, and they it's like they transplant Louise and her father, but give them her a different character like it's much more mm-hmm. kind of a drama role, and she's not so much nasty as she is kind of just sad and pathetic. And instead of just talking about these fantasies of burning the books and like killing her father by like grinding glass in his food, then they actually show it on screen where it's like the hallucinations. And it goes much more in depth. There's a lot of characters in the attic and we actually get to see a retirement ceremony for the librarian, which I don't think I've seen. No, there's another library a movie I've seen that in, but only a horror film thing. So yeah, it's just a really weird story, and I didn't know the connection. I can't remember which film I saw first, but then I watched the second one, and I went, wait a minute, that sounds like that other film, and then realized it was the same writers. And that I wrote a a blog post comparing the two films and that, that character of Louise and how it changes, and that is still the number one viewed post on my site after wow. 10 years which
2: it's fascinating but i, I think yeah. you're, obviously i would i would think because it's the same screenwriters it has to be the same character and it reminds me of like when you get say a box set of a longtime musician and you start listening to all these other unreleased songs that are bits and pieces of other songs that did make it out because they're creative people and they reuse ideas and this was you hope was telling me about this earlier and it was fascinating
1: yeah, I um, vaguely remember The Killing Kind. I watched it on TV when I was a kid, and I went back and rewatched it because I didn't remember. I didn't remember a librarian. I remember that character, but I didn't remember her as a librarian. And I had right. never even heard of The Attic. So we we watched that one with Ray Milland, who plays the dad, who's a much meaner person. Louise's dad in, in the other film is yeah, almost borderline likable. And um, it is just uh, amazing to watch both of those movies back-to-back and wonder if the director just took things in a completely different way. Or, like, you know, then you think, well, how how much say does the actor have that they decided... That she was going to be so much right. more sort of crushed by life in the second film, although she's the hero, she's the main character, so she has to be more likable. The Louise from the first movie, she can't really carry yeah. a movie because you just hate her; she's awful. So It was, I don't, it she was, it was a fascinating the to... way that they just changed the character and gave her her own story.
0: Yeah, I agree, and that's, I think that's really rare. I would call her more of an antihero mm-hmm. because, I mean, she's pretty awful too in the in the attic where she's drinking at work.
1: You know, <laughs>
0: she's. It's hinted that she actually did. create create. create you know a fire in the library and that's why she's being like shuffled off into early retirement and i remember i went back to my my post about this and my husband after watching it he said you know if you only watch this film you would you would think that being a librarian must suck (laughs) because she said Things like, I wish I'd had the good sense to try some other job when I was young. You know, I might not have been a librarian. So, I mean, it's not an uplifting uh-huh. film. I mean, she does face her own fears. And you think about the the title of it being The Attic. And all through the film, you're wondering, why is this called The Attic, mm-hmm. right? And like the last five minutes, explain right. that. <laughs> Yeah, it's like not great marketing. Also,
1: but- also, who buys their friend a monkey? That's a that's a oh, commitment
2: oh. for a gift.
0: It's so weird. It's so bizarre. Yeah. But it's, yeah, like you said, like watching them back to back is really interesting.
2: That is a, a great way to start. Uh, two, two for the price of one there. The character of Louise from 1973, The Killing Kind, and from 1980, The Attic. Very cool. So uh, we'll go to our number five. And this is from 1993. And the character actually is H.P. Lovecraft, played by Jeffrey Combs in Necronomicon, Book of the Dead. Necronomicon.
1: Jeffrey Combs stars in the wraparound story of an anthology of different Lovecraftian tales. And he has visited a library in Arkham, no doubt, because he wants to find the Necronomicon and eventually steal the Necronomicon. So the the librarians, there are several librarians, and they are not exactly what they look like on the surface, <laughs> which makes good yeah. sense given, uh, given the <laughs> content of the film. And Jeffrey Combs also doesn't really what he looks like on the surface because for whatever reason they they made him up to look like Bruce Campbell. He looks like a sort of anemic, weird Bruce Campbell for no reason I can think of because I don't think that that's what Lovecraft looked like. But it's one of those movies where the wraparound story is your favorite one, which happens too often, I think. And part of that, I think, is because Brian Yeza directed the wraparound itself. But I always love Jeffrey Combs in everything, and I love the vibe, the energy that he brings to this, the weirdness that he brings to this, this story because Lovecraft stories need that.
2: It is really weird about the makeup though. Yeah. I mean right down to a scar on his chin just like Bruce Campbell. That is, <laughs> it's a little weird. What would you think, uh, Jennifer?
0: Yeah, this one's a weird one. Um it's not a good movie cuz I think all the the exper- it's experimental movie. It's got the the different directors for each segment. But it it is fun if you're familiar with Lovecraft and, and, like, those little elements that come in. And, yeah, the reveal of the librarians is worth it, I would say. it's I mean, I was freaking out watching this. And um, I like that they put Lovecraft as a character. You know, like, that was really interesting to me. And I love this quote. I mean, it's like the librarians are, like, being purposely obtuse you know because like Lovecraft like steals the keys from in their their monks you know it's a monastery library and they're monk librarians and he like steals the keys while the, the librarian is on the library ladder. I'm like, yeah, okay, suspension of disbelief. But, you know, when the librarian, they, you know, he's warned off, don't go in the back room, you know. And in the librarians, when they discover him, I love it when they say, consider your privileges revoked, Mr. Lovecraft. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is awesome. And this also has a site, David Warner, great longtime character actors in this.
1: That's right. And the, the reason to point that out is because he plays Dr. Matt.
2: No relation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this this
2: movie did not get a domestic release in the U.S. It was released in Japan and France, but then when New Line got it, they just put it straight to home video. And that is our number five from '93, Lovecraft, played by Jeffrey Combs, in the wraparound of *Necronomicon*, *Book of the Dead*. So that takes us up to number four. And Jennifer, we're gonna just slide right on past yours because we will get to it later. Uh, that's one of the ones that overlaps on our list here. So. We'll uh move it up to our number four, correct? Yes. And this is from nineteen sixty, a classic here. It is Edgar, played by Lawrence Payne in the Telltale Heart. You know, don't you? You know. You can hear it, can't You, you can
0: hear it. Hear what? The beating of his heart! The beating of his infernal heart. <laughs>
1: This is a Poe adaptation that, surprisingly enough, turns into sort of a thwarted romance, which the original is very definitely not. And uh, there's no librarian in the original either. And there is in this one. His name is Edgar. Edgar. Which is funny too to have it sort of be uh, kind of uh, about the character. Uh, I mean, about the writer himself.
2: Yeah, but the funny thing is, at the beginning, the landlady calls him Mister Poe three times.
1: <laughs> that's, that's not his name through the rest of the movie. His name, and he's not Poe. That is a funny slip up. If they didn't do it on purpose, but Lawrence Payne plays, and he's the one. He's like, if you've read this, the story. He's the the narrative point of view. He's the one that, you know, kills someone. So it's it's a different character in the movie that he kills and he just keeps hearing his heartbeat and it drives him mad. And in this one it's because his friend who's just a much more interesting human being has uh, stolen away his girl, his one and only girl. And um, uh, one of the things that I like about this movie is Lawrence Payne's performance. He's so earnest, you know? And at the same time, he's just a bad dude and you don't, you know, like one of the very first things he does, he finally like works up the courage to ask this woman out who lives across the street from him. And they go out and they have a nice time. And he convinces her to let him let him walk her up to her room because it's dark in that hallway. And she she does let him and then he like molests her, and she has to beat him off. And then he comes back the next day. I'm uh, forgive me. And I thought, why? Like, no. And so and it's just so funny because, you know, in that way, you buy, in the end, that as, as, pe- as a peachy of a guy as it seems, in the end, no, he's definitely going to do the wrong thing because he just doesn't really have any scruples.
0: Yeah, he's awful. <laughs> you know, you said the slip-up about, you know, Mr. Poe, and they also misspell Edgar Allan Poe's name in the credits. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's just – it's an odd one, um, but I'm totally with you with Lawrence Payne. Like, I just feel like he, like, deliciously overacts, and, like, his facial expressions are just, like, the most ever, and it's it's him that – he he's the draw to the story, and I feel like he's, like, the ultimate, like – white male fragility you know this is what happens Mm -hmm. you know it's a cautionary tale i would say they turn it into but i love i mean it's devastating this scene where um he reveals to the girl you know she asks him what he does and he says i work as a librarian i'm in charge of the reference section in the main library and her response is is that all (laughs) and oh my god i felt that in my soul like that's that burn (laughs) That burn. And I think about, you know, why a librarian? Like you said, it's not in the original film. Why in the world would they put it, you know, um, change his character to be a librarian? And I mean, they do a hint um, later because she tries to tell people about him, like her suspicion, like she tries to tell the police about her suspicions. And the police are like, no, 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 he's a librarian. He's a respectable citizen. It can't be him. So I think again, it's this uh, this juxtaposition, which I mentioned in our first podcast together. Like you wouldn't expect, you know, the nice, trusting, you know, librarian. Mm-hmm. Like it it lends itself to horror because it's so unexpected, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a great twist, I guess.
2: Well, aside from the throwing shade at at librarians and the uh, misspelling of the name, what did you think of the rugs in this movie? <laughs> Black and white. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> uh that is yeah, it's actually the Telltale Heart is one of my favorite post stories. I love it, but it's yeah. varies wildly from the post stories. So if you're if you're coming to this for a traditional telling, you're not gonna get it. Uh but this is our number four. Uh, the Telltale Heart, the 1960 version. Alright, so that takes us up to number three. It's back in your core, Jennifer.
0: Yes, my number three pick is the character of Mike Hanlon in IT. The um, There's the, the 1990 TV miniseries, um, but I'm really going to be focusing on uh, IT Chapter 2, the 2019 film mm-hmm. where Isaiah Mustafa um, plays the character Mike Hanlon. Tim Reed did a good job in the TV miniseries, but I really want to focus on the more recent one.
2: Memories, the thing it's uh it's, it's the key it's, it's the key to everything if it really does want us back here don't you think the smartest thing we can do is just get the hell out of dairy no no it it, it does want us back well, of course it does but it doesn't know i know what i know what do you know the, how to kill the shit out of
0: it because in our first podcast we mentioned the 1990 mini series you know with the scene in the library with the balloon bursting oh yes. my god i still think Good about scene. that oh yeah. Yeah. So chilling. And then the, um, it chapter one, uh, movie 2017, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the scary scene in the library with the judgy bitch librarian. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, and I mentioned then, you know, like I really like the character of Mike Hanlon because in my opinion, like he's the real town hero of the story. And I feel like Isaiah Mustafa, like really grounds the film, you know, he's the man with the plan. And when I was watching it, like afterwards thinking, about it I realized like he really drives the story in every sense like the beginning the middle and the end because in the beginning um, Isaiah Mustafa he even um, narrates the film so the first word that um, he says in the over narration is memory mm. and he reunites the losers Club, Helps bring back their memories because the other white members, um, because he's the only black member of the club. The other white members, he helps bring back their memories of the town because they've all forgotten. And in the middle, he drives it by um, revealing his plan and he gets them the goal. Like each of them has to find a token from their past and then reunites at the library. And at the end, he figures out how to kill it and reunites them to actually, and he's involved in the end, I think. I haven't read the book, but I've I've heard that he's not in the final fight scene in the book, but he is um, in this film, which I think it was a good choice. Mm-hmm. And I really like this film because I think it does a better job of referencing the long-lasting effects of racism. Like, he's the, the only black character, and that's really significant, and he's the only one who stays behind. Right. And I think that's, yeah, it's reflective of all the white characters left, like white flight, right? Mm-hmm. They all left. He stays behind. He's the institutional memory. He has to bear that burden. And when he's trying to convince Billy, James McAvoy is kind of the leader, kind of seen as the leader of the group, um, he knows that he needs to convince Billy Billy so that the others believe him. And that's really poignant because it's he, a black man, has to convince a white man so the other white characters will believe him. Mm -hmm. And so it's really poignant there. So I think that they actually did a good um, job of that. And I think, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm stretching here, but I feel like they're they're pointing at America's original sin of racism. It's not Pennywise. They like, maybe they kill Pennywise spoiler, you know, if y'all haven't seen it, (laughs) Uh, but you know, racism really is the original sin and monster that we have to keep fighting. So I don't know. Maybe I got too deep there, but I find it a really fascinating
2: story. I think that's, I think that's a, a very good reading because you're right. He stays behind and he has all the, he's done all the research He has all the knowledge that connects everything together and lets the the plan go in motion. I I think viewing him as as a hero and and bringing him, like you said, into the the extra scenes in the most recent movie was a very good idea, like you said.
1: And also, you know, I love that you know in, in so many films so many horror films the library as we talked about in the last time serves as really this very important place where people get the information that they need to move forward i love that it's a librarian right it's not just some random character that goes to the library to find this out it's like he is it he i'm that i'm that font of knowledge that you need let's move forward and i think that that should, well it should probably should happen more often because he really does make for a fascinating character
0: yeah that's a really good observation like he is the library yeah. within yeah. Self, yeah.
2: That is a great one for number three for Jennifer's Mike Hanlon from It, both the miniseries and the It Chapter 2, the big screen version. So moving up to our number three, this is from 1989 from a movie called The Church. And the librarian is Evan, played by Tomas Arana. Shh.
0: Last night the angel of evil possessed me, and I became his servant. I wanted to do evil. To kill. <laughs>
1: So this movie was written, co-written, by Dario Argento, who uh, produced it as well. But it's, it's directed by uh, Michael Suavi. And I think that if you're an Argento fan, this one kind of leans more toward Lucio Fulci. It's that type of Italian nonsensical, <laughs> like surreal, a lot of nudity, nothing makes very much sense, face-melting, eye-gouging kind, of kind of a horror film. Now, those are not my favorite, uh, but I have always had a soft spot for this movie, And I have no idea why that is because, as you know, I can be very nitpicky about Catholicism and horror. And, God, they get it so wildly wrong here. It's unbelievable. But that's okay because nothing makes sense in this movie at all. Um, Evan shows up at this church to be uh, their new librarian. And... um, and he's just a dick from the beginning and you can't understand why the the lovely woman who is restoring the fresco is in any way interested in him but immediately they have sex and um and then he goes about basically destroying big parts of the church <laughs> and really not being a good librarian at all and what happens when both of those things go wrong, you unleash demons, and, uh, and essentially the world comes to an end. The movie reminds me actually a lot of the film Demons, and I love a lot of the kills in it.
2: Well, I was just going to say, I think I know why you liked it, because originally it was conceived as an entry in that series <laughs> to be like the third Demons film. But apparently Suave uh, said that he, he thought those movies were, quote, pizza schlock unquote, and insisted they were standing alone. So your love for it has, has a, you know, a very uh, common thread there.
1: The movie is a lot more aesthetically interesting, partly because it, it is set in this just gorgeous big church. It does have a lot of, of really interesting visual ideas. I mean, the beginning and end, the very beginning, the church is built over a mass grave where um, inquisitors killed an entire village of people, and then they built this church on top of it. So the whole time you're thinking that that's the evil. No, that was fine. That was A-OK. The evil was... what. So right from the beginning, I'm like, well, really? But that's OK. Um, there's so much... I mean, the sexism that is inherent in Italian horror is big and loud. And it is in this film as well. But it looks great. And and it's just a lot of fun to watch. What did you think of it?
0: I, I was laughing all through that because that was such a good description. Um, I think the word nonsensical is super charitable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's it's an awful film, but it's kind of awesomely bad. Yeah. Um. In a way, if you just you know just go with it, it really leans into its genre. I would say. Um. And yeah, the Evan the uh, librarian character is not a role model. I mean, total sleaze ball. Um. He just looks super sketchy. And I was going through it, and I'm like, like, what do I remember about this character? And the words, you know, lazy, <laughs> greedy. Uh, <laughs> And, like, even while he's having sex, he, like, has to stop and, like, oh, wait, pause here while I look up this thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're so awful. <laughs> and, yeah, and, he says, <laughs> and he even says, you know, he's introducing himself to um, the character played by uh, Asia Argento. Mm-hmm. Um, Latte. Yeah, she plays a, a character. And I think it was one of her first roles, if not. Yeah, I think really so, early. Yeah, She was very young. Yeah, very young, and he introduces himself by saying, "I'm the new librarian. I have to catalog all these books. Unfortunately, <laughs> again, just wounded my soul here. But it, I think it is interesting that he's a cataloger. I mean, he's a librarian who's going to be cataloging these books. And he also says later, like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life looking at old books. And I'm like, don't. You know, we don't." <laughs> So yeah, like when he like unleashes because he's greedy and, and stupid really, um, the the demon and gets possessed. Um, I didn't feel bad about that.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> number three, um, Evan from the church, nineteen eighty nine. Yes, good choice. So that takes up to number two, and this is a happy accident. So this is uh one that we both agree on. You guys both agree. This is at number two, so we'll let you, uh, we'll let you spill it, Jennifer.
0: Okay. So yes, this is Evelyn Evie Carnahan in the 1990 film The Mummy.
2: What are you doing here?
0: Oh, so, I, I may not be an explorer or,
1: or an adventurer or a treasure seeker or a gunfighter, Mr. O'Connell. But I am proud of what I am. And what is that? I
0: am a librarian. Fantastic film! I love this movie. It is just a joy to watch and rewatch. I would say, like again, it really leads into its uh, genre, and it's more you know, you know, of a horror action film. But it has those roots to the classic, um, you know, monster movie horror, um, the 1932 film, The Mummy, and uh, Rachel Vice uh, plays Evie, and she joins she joins forces with an American soldier, Brendan Fraser. They have so much chemistry; it's like off the charts. And and her brother to stop Imhotep, who's been you know resurrected, um, the spirit has been resurrected, and it's just a really joyful film. And I love this film because. We get a really great early scene in the library.
1: So good. Where the,
0: yes, the library ladder, and she's you know trying to to go um, shelf books and take a shortcut. You know, don't take shortcuts. That's the um, overall. And she and just the fantastic domino. I think it took one take um, to do that because they they set it up so well. And she but she stands up for herself, you know, even to the the museum director. And she describes, you know, all of her qualifications and she stands up for herself later on too. like, in my opinion, she's the true hero of the story.
2: Yeah. And this is a very has a very swashbuckling Indiana Jones sort of monster movie vibe to it. And it also has Imhotep, the actor, Arnold Vosloo. Mm -hmm. That's a guy, one of those guys who looks fantastic bald because he has a perfectly shaped head.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I I feel like uh, the a couple of the things that have always stood out for me in this in this movie and it's in it's really for me the beginning to end. It's Rachel White. She's amazing in this movie. She is absolutely Unfairly beautiful in this movie. It is criminal how attractive she is in this film. And then also, it had—I have to think that this must this might be your favorite. I'm a librarian scene of all time yeah. because she gets very drunk. And uh, and Brendan Fraser is like, so I get your brother, I get these other people, I don't get you. And her thing is just like, I love me, I'm a librarian.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, I am proud of what I am. I am a librarian. It's so meme-worthy. It's like classic librarian.
2: <laughs> and of course, this movie was a massive success. In fact, the um, director... Stephen Summer says he got a phone call the morning after it was released and they just said, we need another one, which is good. The sad part is they got progressively worse.
1: Oh, they definitely did. But it's having, I mean, it's, uh, you know, everything from 1999, for some reason, seems to be having such a resurgence right now. And this one is massively popular again. And also, I think, because Brendan Fraser has just had a couple of very big castings after not really working for 10 years. And people apparently just love him.
0: Yes, I agree. <laughs> I'm pro-team Brendan Fraser and pro-Evie Carnahan.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we both are. So that is number two for both of us on our list of favorite librarians and horror. All right, so before we get to our number one, which is your number four that we switched, I'm going to give myself a headache with all this math, uh, let's go with what uh, you came up with at number one.
0: Well, if you listen to the first podcast, I think I think you know I gave the game away by sharing my love for Chainsaw Sally, the like ultimate indie horror film uh, from 2004, and it's a title role for uh, the librarian. Chainsaw Sally is the librarian played by April Monique burl or bureau i'm not sure how to pronounce the last name um but her husband directed the film as well so it was a web series and then it was um this 2004 film and it's it's kind of hard to track down i have a dvd copy of it
2: i don't believe you're gonna cut me with that song
0: It's kind of like the All About Evil where you just um, sum it up in one sentence and you just want to watch it. It's, uh, you know, a librarian by day, a chainsaw-wielding serial killer by night. Love it. I mean, that's all you need.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's so if, fantastic. If, if that's your librarian, I am not returning books late. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right. This is one we'd never even heard of before you were on the last time and have watched it since then um, at your Recommendation, And it is funny because one of the great things about her, her murder spree is that, that is, those are mainly the people that upset her, are people who are loud in the library, right. who have uh, overdue books. Uh, you know, I think that that's really funny. There's also, though, when you watch it, they've got in the credits, you know, Herschel Gordon-Lewis is in the movie, Gunnar Hansen, who was the original um, Leatherface. And um gordon Lewis does have lines he plays the the clerk at the um hardware store so he actually has a speaking role and Gunnar Hansen um there's a flashback that's in black and white and so in the flashback in black and white someone opens a door and Gunnar Hansen is standing inside the door and that's the whole that's it <laughs> that's that's every moment that he is on the screen and it's really funny to me that he gets like third billing
2: <laughs> I know it's got chainsaw in the title Gunnar Hansen's in it but no <laughs>
0: it's so low budget and i that's why it's i just have a soft spot for it because it really again like i like films that lean into what they are mm-hmm. and this one is unabashedly unapologetically low budget and i love that they like she and her brother they reenact scenes Um, From classic horror films, but then her brother keeps getting them mixed up, um, which is hilarious to me. And I love the little bit where they they introduce her like visually introduce her character. She's in the library. She's uh, she's a public librarian. And she's reading the big book of serial killers. <laughs> you no, know, it's like, are you are you reading tips? Are you researching, you know, what you're doing? I just love like those little bits in there. Um, I didn't actually need the um backstory to explain why she's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even like explaining her hairdo, you know, why she has that hairdo. We're not going to do spoilers, but um, I, I didn't need that. All I needed to know was that she was a chainsaw wielding library. Right. I feel like that just that sells the movie.
2: Yeah, we, we talk about that in all sorts of horror movies that you don't you don't need that. So often you don't. And especially with sequels, they get carried away in giving us the backstory that we don't want and most of the time don't need.
1: Yeah, actually I think maybe my favorite thing about this movie is the rapport that she has with her brother. I think her brother is my favorite character and I just the it seems to me that those two actors had to have been friends. You know, but they cuz it just it feels very lived in their relationship and very very fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really interesting observation and and I I like their dynamic too. And speaking of like sequels, I mean I mean I know this was part of a web series, but I hadn't quite realized that she also continue to play the same character in a 2012 film called Little Big Boy. So she's still like Chainsaw hmm. Sally in this. And apparently it's a mockumentary, like about the horror film industry. Yeah. So I feel like I need to check that out. Yes, yes. clearly.
2: We all do. That is nice. <laughs> so that is Jennifer's number one, Chainsaw Sally, 2004. So now we'll go back to the film, uh, The Librarian, that was Jennifer's number four. And it's our number one. And this is from 1983, the character of Holloway, played by Jason Robards, in Something Wicked This Way Comes. I know who you are.
1: You are the autumn people.
0: Where do you come from? The dust. Where do you go to? The grave. Yes. We are the hungry ones.
2: Your torments call us like dogs in the night. And we do feed feed well to stuff yourselves on other people's nightmares
0: the butter our plain bread with delicious pain
2: so you do understand a little
1: i'm a sucker for this movie I love Jason Robards in this movie. Um, I love so much about this movie, and one of the reasons that I liked Evie and also Robards in in, in these two in these two back to back films for us is that I, I love when the librarian is a good guy. I mean, I like when the librarian is a bad guy. I think that that's really very fun. But but because I think you know in a weird way, I do sort of see librarians as heroes, and so it's fun in movies, right, to see that. And and Jason Robards is so good in this movie. And there's a great scene in the library where Mr. Dark is trying to lure him by with the offer of giving him his youth back. And, you know, you can just see it in his face, like, I'm not going to budge, I'm not going to budge. Boy, 30. 30 was a great year, but I'm not going to budge. You know, you just... He doesn't even have... You know, he's not even saying anything. You just see, like... Because he's got such a hangdog face to begin with. You know, I just... I'm such a fan of this movie, and and it's not necessarily even my my general sort of because it's so seeped in nostalgia. Nostalgia is really the entire the entire aesthetic for this film, which usually is not something that I particularly like. But in this movie, I find it sort
2: of magical. Jonathan Price too, as Mister Dark. Love him. Jonathan Price is, is always great. But yeah, before Jason Robards, because this was Disney, and this was actually the last movie. To be released under the Walt Disney Productions banner. After this, it was Walt Disney Pictures. After this, but before they cast Jason Robards, they were they went to their staple of pre-80s regulars like Darren McGavin, Dean Jones, uh, even Dick Van Dyke was considered for that role, and then uh, Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon, James Garner, and Hal Holbrook before they settled wow. on Jason Robards. But I, can I agree, see he's Hal great. Holbrook. Yeah, I could definitely see see Hal Holbrook, but Jason Robards is fantastic. As is Jonathan Price and it's of course it's based on that uh, ray bradbury uh, story that i guess disney did a lot of tinkering with after the fact based on test audiences and it still it didn't do well at all at the theater pretty much flopped
1: you know actually what i find very sad about this is that it's not it's not on disney plus and I assumed that it was. I felt like surely this movie is going to be on Disney Plus, and I could go rewatch it right now. And it's not,
0: and I can't.
1: And I was very grumpy to find that out.
0: Oh, I ad- I share your outrage. That is, <laughs> I yeah, I I think it's so odd that it wasn't a hit. I think yeah. it's a really underrated film, and I feel like that also kind of mirrors the character you know of Charles Holloway where he's he's an underrated character his own son doesn't think that much of him and he's I think he's got what heart trouble and he's not you know a risk taker but he ends up saving spoiler he ends up saving the town you know he's the good he personifies the good versus uh Mr. Dark you know personifying the evil and I agree with you about Jason Robards like he just gives it a gravitas Mm -hmm that character where you really believe in him and you want him. Um, and he never, you know, loses his center. He knows who he is. Um, and he he then steps up to the moment, you know, in his own um, quiet way. And the last, you know, showdown that takes place in the library, I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And, yeah, I really – he's the, for me, it's like the ultimate uh, liberated librarian character type, you know, where he gets to find his moment and, and really – he knows himself, but he also, you know, like I said, like meets the moment he's in my hall of fame list. I have a hall of fame and a hall of shame list on my website. So he's in my hall of fame. And I love this quote. I also love this from Ray Bradbury, who was Mm. a very noted lifetime, lifelong fan of, uh, libraries and librarians and, um, and rest in peace, Ray Bradbury. And he, and he said, you know, libraries raised me Mm. and, so it's just nice that he he believed in librarians. And I think that's why he made that character um, a librarian, which is it's a good one to end on. A satisfying.
2: Yeah, interest. it is. Yeah. And that uh, Disney held this back for just about a year doing additional scenes. They added uh, opening narration. They they uh, hired uh, James Horner to do a completely new score, trying to retool everything to get a hit. And for whatever reason, they just didn't do it. But it's definitely worth checking out, even if it's not on Disney Plus. Who can we call? I mean, who do we know? we gotta, we got to make that happen. But that is our number one and is Jennifer's number four, so it's a goodie. Holloway, played by Jason Robards, Something Wicked This Way Comes, from 1983. That is good stuff. Jennifer, you always bring the knowledge. That is fantastic.
0: Yay, I'm a librarian. That's yeah. like the highest, <laughs> <the> highest rank. <price. laughs>
2: well, we are going to be back uh, at Gateway Film Center, Columbus, Ohio, back in front of that crowd that we love on Wednesday, September 9th. We're going to be doing it live. We're going to be talking about Aging and horror, and we're gonna be showing Bubba Hotep speaking <laughs> speaking of Bruce Campbell. That's right. Very excited to watch this one with a
1: crowd. Very excited. Love that movie.
2: That is gonna be a lot of fun. And Jennifer, as as we said, you can find her her great website, so much to dig into at real R-E-E-L-Librarians. And where else can we find you? What else you got going on? What what else you got planned?
0: So I write uh, and publish two posts a month um, on the second and fourth Wednesdays of the month. And you can sign up um, to get email notifications so that you're always in the know about librarians and
2: film. That is fantastic. Well, we we loved having you on the first time. We loved having you on this time. We're going to invite you back to talk about flooring rough (laughs) uh, in in horror movies. (laughs) And uh, we, you're you're a fantastic guest, and yeah, check out reallibrarians.com. dot com, and uh, we hope to hear from you as well. You can always find us and keep the conversation going. Talk about any of these that uh, you like, any that we missed. I don't think you're going to find any that we missed between <laughs> Jennifer and Hope. I'll tell you what. But if uh, if you have one, let us know. You can find us on Twitter. That's Fright Club Pod. Also on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website, you can find all of our written reviews of all the new movies coming out. Or you can find us at MadWolf.com. So, yes? What did you forget, George? I forgot that we have a Fright Club Podcast Facebook group, and we would love to have you. Thank you. Cannot believe that. There should be a bell to ring or something. But uh, yeah, Fright Club podcast, Facebook group, just send a, a request and we will uh, we will grant it post-haste and get you in on the conversation. So that is fun. All right. So until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And she is Jennifer Snook Brown, who's going to catalog us and put us away.
0: Stay frightful, my friends. Yay! Thank you so much. Thank you all so much, this was so much fun I really appreciate it